We just cancel Colin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was the Greg Proops, you know, he was just in for one second. <laughs> That's so accurate. He's so busy, he doesn't even answer texts anymore. Not that he yeah, was like right at after it, but... we we like we promoted him from Greg Proops to full time member. I think you might have even changed the the description. Yeah, he's in the, there. The anchor profile, right? Yeah. And now that he's finally made it into the official sphere, he just drops off the face of the earth. Welcome to Three Idiots and a Lawyer, Matt Pfeiffer, along with Joe Shell and Kevin O'Keefe, and Syracuse is bull bound. Syracuse beats 15th-ranked North Carolina State 24-9 on Saturday to stay undefeated. It is October 17th as we uh, record this episode, and Syracuse is one of the nine undefeated teams remaining in top-level college football. The club includes Ohio State, Michigan, Tennessee, UCLA, Clemson, TCU, Georgia, and Ole Miss. Not bad company for Syracuse. And just for a little extra gloating here, take note who is not in that club. Syracuse is undefeated longer than Alabama, Auburn, Texas, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Penn State, Washington, USC, Utah, Florida, Florida State, Miami, LSU. I'm just going to name basically a lot of big college football schools. And it's just kind of nice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. I'm done with the gloating. Uh, No, keep going. Keep going. Let's, let's revel in it a little bit. I mean, it's just great guys. I mean, it's just fantastic. Syracuse is, Syracuse is one of the best teams in the country. We're halfway through the season and Syracuse is six and oh, they're perfect record. And it is the first time in 35 years that Syracuse has been 6-0. It's one of the few times in uh, school history that they've gotten the 6-0. It, and they are setting up for what could be a really, really special season. After another good win, a nail-biter again, it wasn't always pretty, but uh, the, in the Carrier Dome, they had a decibel reader in there. They were reading over 100-some decibels which officially made the Dome one of the loudest uh, venues in college football. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's the season we've all dreamed about for years. It really is the season we have dreamed about so far for years. And it sets up the most important game Syracuse football has played in... Since the 1988 Sugar Bowl, maybe? That Yeah, that was actually what I was thinking because... The truth is, and I was reading Brent Axe's post-game analysis and the sentence is there, and it is, and it's crazy to read. If Syracuse beats Clemson, they will be the favorite to win the ACC and punch a ticket to the college football playoff. Doesn't feel real. Those words don't compute with this scenario whatsoever to me. I actually got goosebumps even saying that. I yeah, really as, did. As it's, part of, as you know, as much of a long shot as it is, and, you know, isn't likely to go down that way, the fact is that it's not out of the question as of yet, and it's the end of October. Normally, yeah. we give up hope of that being part of any rational conversation as soon as the season starts. And here we are, October 17th, and that is a rational discussion to have is, here's the path to Syracuse making the playoff. And it's not anything absurd 
It's unlikely, but it is not by any means absurd. Yeah. The, the fun part is that in a normal year, we would be like, well, Clemson, it's never happening, but we play Clemson really close no matter what. You know, that, that's what Dino Babers does. Our you bad know, teams do it. play Clemson close and sometimes beat them. Yeah. Our bad yeah. teams do it. What are our good teams going to do yeah. against them? But other than that, I mean, I don't think any of us really have any aspirations of winning this game, but I think Dino is going to keep it close because that's just what he does. Yeah. I, are we, are we diving right into to, to looking forward to Clemson? No, no, I'm just, I'm just no. trying to like, yeah. I want to, I want to inject the, like the bread yeah. into the conversation of like, you know, this is, this is a little bit, Right. I mean, we, we, we've been we've been somewhat lucky this year. Yeah. Um, but, well, but at the same lucky. time, this is the first year that it feels like, you know, we're 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 practically in the same universe as Clemson. We it it's 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 neat, and you sit there and you sit back and you, in an era where players can move from school to school much easier, and where recruiting is so important. It starts like this that really do build your recruiting base for the future. And a lot of these players probably committed after watching the 2018, 2018 team. team. Yep. And and that's the thing. You build a great opera. Dino Babers is a rare coach in college football because he is going to get a second chance. That doesn't happen in top level college football. He had the first chance with the 2018 team and could not sustain. And now he's got whatever this 2022 team ends as, whether they're six and six or 12 and 0 or 10 and two, nine and three, whatever, he is going to have a second chance to build something. Now he's going to have to this time. I would point out, I believe it's a contract year for him. So they're going to have to extend him anyway. I would expect they'll extend him. I don't think he's going to get poached because of the overall success, two bowl games over seven seasons is not going to lead to him getting poached. But I do think it's a great opportunity for Syracuse here to try again at building some sustainable success. And we can get into that as we get later in the season, but it's just a, a thought that I have as we now reach this point where now we know Syracuse is going to be in a ball. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Matt, um, just reflecting on, on where we're at, I took a moment after the, the NC state game ended and, I fired off some tweets and I was kind of just thinking about where we were at and, and where I was at with everything. And what, what came to mind was that as far as the NC State game, not just that, but every game this year, there's things that are questionable about every game that we played this year. The opponent was weak. This guy didn't play. This was ugly. This didn't go well. But when you sit down and you look at the cold, hard fact that we have already qualified for a bowl game, which for most people was the higher end of our goal for this year was just to simply qualify for a bowl game that we've accomplished that before a single defeat on the season. And here we are not even at Halloween. We are undefeated qualified for a bowl game. The word that came to mind was unfathomable coming into the season. That scenario was unfathomable. Sure. This team may have not been as strong of an opponent as you thought, Sure, this looked ugly. Sure, Sean Tucker's not having the season we would have thought. Sure, it's taken the defense to really, really step up in big moments to keep us in games and to win games. And maybe the passing offense hasn't been as electric as it looked at first. And Garrett Schrader's starting to turn the ball over now. But none of that matters. None of that matters. Because the fact is, 
we knew who the opponents were on the schedule. We looked at the schedule and we said, oh, maybe we'll win, you know, X out of the first this many games. And maybe we'll be able to qualify for a bowl game with that sixth win in November. And here we are already there with no strikes on the record. It's unbelievable. It doesn't matter about all the other things that, that might try to take away from the season so far it's been an unblemished season and that's not something that we would ever have expected to happen even with all the extraneous variables that people want to throw at us and and let's point out four of those wins are against power five opponents three of them in the acc two of them in the acc atlantic and then purdue who, by the way, has five wins themselves and are about to become bowl eligible. Yeah. What, what I will say is, this is going back to the conversation you and I had, Matt, when we recorded a couple weeks ago, just the two of us. Mm-hmm. We were hoping the NC State game would tell us how good Syracuse football is this year. I still don't know. Nope. I still don't know. If, you know, if Devin, no Leary, if Devin Leary played and the game still went like this, then we'd probably know a little better. But it's just there's always one thing where it's I still don't know. I I, I can confidently say that this is a good football team. Yes. How good of a football it, team this is, I have no idea yet. There's still, it, still to be seen. At the same seen. time, though, NC State is still a – they're clearly a good program. And Jack Chambers yeah. is no scrub. Like that guy he's is going to a very experienced 35-year-old man. Yeah, yeah it, it's just <laughs> – yeah, he's a little bit green in terms of, you know, that was his first start. But And their backup running back um, stepped up to the challenge. And their defense is very good. North Carolina State's the best defense Syracuse has faced, and they rose to the challenge. Now, they had some struggles, and they had some self-induced. But more than anything, I mean, we'll talk about this, Syracuse has some self-induced issues. And I wasn't being facetious. Jack Chambers is a experienced college football player. He is. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a good player. And, and, um, you know, I guess we like – I mean, let's dive into this game. Uh, you know, Syracuse went out there, and, I mean, you could not have asked for a better start. And, by the way, how many times this season have we seen that? I think almost every game, Syracuse has marched down the field in the first drive and scored a touchdown. Free play and a shot to the end zone and caught by Gadsden. Touchdown, Syracuse. What a start. And that's a great way to start games. It's a great way to – you lay the gauntlet down right away, and especially when you've got a backup quarterback – you know, who's getting used to an offense, it lays it down and says, all right, you're going to have to play catch up with us. And for the record, as close as that game was, NC State never did get the lead uh, because NC State was held only three field goals all day. And uh, and Syracuse went out, and, and I believe they got the field goal on the second drive. So, yeah, they had 10 points until, what, midway, mid-late third quarter, early fourth quarter when they scored the first of the last two touchdowns. Uh, and, and a... You know, they did all those those little things that needed to be done in the end. But yet again, there were some mistakes. I'm thinking about the false start on fourth and inches where you probably would have kept the drive alive. The Garrett Schrader throwing a pick from the 14-yard line that would have uh, probably been at least three points, you know, maybe more. You know, he, I guess he thought the NC State defender – was offside. It certainly looked offside. I thought it was pretty clear. He flinched, and sure, it looked like he may have come set without going offsides, but I thought it looked pretty clearly when he came back down after the flinch. He reset his stance in the neutral zone. Yeah, but you still, unless you see that flag, you got to assume it's a live ball. 
Uh, and there were also better opportunities in that end zone on that play than the one he chose. If yeah. you watch the replay, there were other guys he could have gone to. And then there was the other pick when they were moving the ball. I think that was a situation where the receiver didn't turn the right way and didn't go. And I think they said that was why there was so much anger from Anai is it was somebody missed a route and then the NC state guy was there. So, so maybe that's what it was. So maybe that one's a little less on, on trader, but I mean, trader still had a good day. He had 210 yards. He was averaging 8.4 a pass. He had two touchdowns, 16 rushes for 81 yards, averaging five yards a rush. You know, they really allowed him to start using his legs again. And I mean, it really throws these teams when he uses his legs because you don't know. I mean, you, do you cover Tucker? Do you cover him? He could throw it any time. Th- I think about that throw to Damian Alford that, on third and 14 that kept that drive alive. Schrader on third down. Climbs the pocket. He throws downfield and caught by Damian Alford. Which he could have tucked it and ran. I would point out that on the interception from 14 out, he clearly had room to run there, too, if he had wanted to just run it. But... <laughs> Also, talking about the throw to Alford, I think this is the same play you're referring to, but just great field awareness to keep that back foot behind the line of scrimmage. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And it was just, you know, I mean, those are the plays that make Garrett Schrader a good quarterback. Poised. He's very, very much more poised this year than he was last year. Yeah. And you got to shout out Aranda Gadsden, eight receptions for 141 yards. My only concern is that so much goes to him that a team like Clemson – or Notre Dame, or anybody left, is going to completely zone in on Gadsden. Now, on the other hand, that might open up the other guys. That could open up Damian Alford to have a big day in one of these, or Devon Cooper, who I still like Devon Cooper. You know, he's got speed, he's got good hands. A breakout day is coming for him. I know it's coming. It's just a matter of when. And then Sean Tucker had a good day. He had 98 yards on 14 rushes plus four more receptions for 14 yards. One of his better games, I think, this year. And I think they did a good job getting him going again and getting him to the edge, which we've been saying for quite a while. Yeah, he still doesn't look quite 100% to me, but it was just good to see some runs from Sean Tucker that are vintage Sean Tucker at his best that we saw most of last year. Those nice, easy runs where, you know, the first contact might be at the line of scrimmage, but it's still six, seven, eight yards. And those yep. are his short runs where the little bit of contact right away and then sheds it six, seven, eight yards. That is prime Sean Tucker. I think the only reason his stat line for the game isn't like, oh, wow, he had a great game is because the second half just ate so much clock. I think by the time we were three possessions in, NC State, us, NC State, those three possessions, it was there were the 10 minutes quarter. left in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and it just it ate so much of the game that you know there weren't a lot of offensive opportunities because the offense was moving, it was doing its thing, and Sean Tucker was a huge part of that. There just weren't enough drives for him to uh, compile the additive stats. But as far as the game that he played and how his runs looked, I don't really think we could ask for much more from Tucker. It was it was a vintage day for him. Yeah. Do Do we know what the deal is with Courtney Jackson? So, like, so I, I don't think I saw him really run out there. Many I don't think he was on the field very much. Courtney Jackson is the player that missed the route. 
on the second interception. He's the one that turned. My understanding wow. is he turned to the sideline and he was supposed to turn in. Wow. I mean, he was like our, I mean, him and Alfred one and two last year. And now he's almost irrelevant with the emergence of Gadsden, who's, I guess, a tight end, but doesn't feel, I mean, he feels like a Travis Kelsey tight end, you know, where that's next to his, his position. But he's not blocking out there. He's out no. there to catch the football. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think Devon Cooper might have taken Courtney Jackson. I mean, it's a different offense than last year, so that could be part of it. But I think that role kind of went to Cooper. He's just disappeared. <laughs> I, I just haven't seen him at all this year. You know who I had that thought of recently was what happened to Anthony Queeley, who's just a special teamer now? Yeah. He was supposed yeah! to be our next receiver. He was supposed to be yeah. our next number one receiver when Taj Harris left. We're like, oh, time for Queeley. Because he's a guy who made a few really nice catches early in his career. I guess that's a nice indicator. Offense. That's a nice indicator showing how much this team has improved talent wise. Guys, yeah, we thought we have guys that used to be like wide receiver two and three are now back on the sideline. Yeah, there's depth. There's depth at receiver for sure, and and I think that's also obvious when you see how many guys are getting the ball week to week. I mean, they spread it out a lot. Yeah, Gadsden gets most of it, but this week you had five different people getting catches. And there's weeks where it's been eight or nine, you know, I mean, so. That's why I'm not real concerned if some one of our, you know, say Clemson manages to game plan Aronde out of the game. That doesn't worry me all that much because, like you said, I think then Schrader will be able to find some of these other guys that have been kind of going by the wayside in the last few weeks. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, any defense now that faces Syracuse is going to say, we got to cover a Ronde Gadsden. And I think Gadsden's still going to get his yards even when he's being covered. He seems to have – he has great moves. I mean, I think about that that fake out he did against Wagner. Plenty of time to find his number one guy, Gadsden. Shaking guys left and right. My goodness. He's not and a great. big separation guy. He's a contested ball guy. Yeah. And he can win jump balls. He's he's got the height and the length to do that, and that's that's wow. huge. Yeah, I, what what? And I don't want to jump ahead too much, but mm-hmm. what gives me a little bit of pause, um, you know, and my my ideal situation would be that whoever you know our opponent this coming week is uh, doesn't watch any uh, highlights or footage of Tom <laughs> of, of, of Sean Tucker from 2020 and 2021. Um, but it's Dabo Swinney who knows Sean Tucker like the back of his hand. And so I, I think the chances of them underestimating uh, really anything about our offense is pretty much null. And we're going to, we're not going to be able to, to be so lucky as, as to have that happen. Clemson has learned since 2017 and almost every year since never to take Syracuse for granted. Um, so they are definitely not looking past us. We're, we're honestly, we're just about the biggest thorn in their side. Even though it's only one win, we, we grind those games out to the end every year, except for 2019. Since that 2017 game, 2018 game, it took Clemson winning in the last minute. 2020 game, that one win team took Clemson into the fourth quarter. And, and last year was a close game, you know, that went down to a field goal, a missed field goal. So, at the end of the day, Clemson knows that, you know, we're going to play them tight just about any year. Um, but before we get into that, let's talk Let's talk about the defense. Defense, yet again, just pff, unreal. I mean, Marla Wax had 10 tackles, McDonald nine tackles in a hurry. 
Jones had seven tackles uh, and one and a half for a loss, a sack. Barron had seven tackles. Isaiah Johnson had five tackles. Uh, you know, it's these these guys are playing great ball. Now there is some worries about Garrett Williams. Dino Babers has kind of left it open. Like Garrett, I told Garrett he's got to come back as soon as possible. I don't know what that means. I guess he got a bruise, like a really bad bruise. My confusion, yeah. So you're the medical guy. I don't know what that well, means. Well, I was reading about it earlier. So basically, you know, on that play, something hit him hard in the thigh, whether it was okay. the guy he was bringing down his knee, an elbow, his head, helmet, something. Yeah. Uh, usually they grade five contusions like in severity, grade one, grade two, grade, grade three, grade two and grade three often require crutches. So the fact that Garrett was walking around the sideline without crutches, seemingly, you know, not super uncomfortable, not limping or anything. There's hope he could play. If we saw him on crutches, you know, we would just could assume that it was going to be a longer term issue that he yeah. you know couldn't even put weight on on the leg because the muscle was so sore but he looked okay so it could just be you know a pain tolerance thing he's not going to injure it more it's just what can he tolerate how can he move around out there so yeah. there's hope right and and just chestnut obviously went down he seemed back and seemed fine people you know, commented that you could see him in the locker room celebration, dancing and whatnot. So that's a good sign. Michael Jones went down, but then he went back and had that great sack at the cramping. end of the game. They said he was cramping. He was cramping. Was like okay. Total body cramping. And then Leon Lowry uh, that's went down. That's the one I'm most worried about. Yeah. That, that depth on the front line. Like I. And I we have not heard start. about him. I haven't heard an update on him, but he's the one whose injury didn't didn't look good, and we're running out yeah. of bodies in our front seven. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it is a concern. But that defense, yet again, I mean, they are a top 10 defense in the country, I think, officially ranked. Eight. And I think the last ranking I saw was eighth. I mean, they are unreal. And I'll, I'll tell you, they're going to keep Syracuse, as long as they can stay healthy, they're going to keep Syracuse in every game that they're in. So, I mean, they really are. Syracuse is going to have a chance in all the six games left because of that defense. Yeah, in previous years, Micah Chamber, or uh, uh, Jack Chambers just absolutely destroys us. That's the exact kind of quarterback we didn't want to play last year and the year before. Um, uh, but having said that, I mean, he's a little, he's a little, he's a little raw. I mean, he missed some throws. Uh, when he was put under pressure, he didn't, didn't really put the ball on the money very often, especially in the first half. Um, but I mean, the guy's extremely athletic, but you know, he needs a little bit more uh, maturity when it comes to uh, pocket presence. You yeah. know, he's like a 25-year-old, already played four full seasons at the FCS level. Yeah, it's So crazy. it's just a, it's just a big jump in in uh, competition, competition. Kind of the FCS level. But the fact is yeah. he's a fast He's going to be playing arena football one day. I'm, I'm... Yeah, you know, I wouldn't rule it out. That's cert- I, I agreed when you said that during the game. Um, but it's like you said, he is an experienced player you know, it may be at the FCS level and he still made mistakes, but he's an experienced athletic quarterback who could have ran all over us. And in previous years, we would have let him and we would have lost that game. And it's like, we've been talking about all year. We are not falling into the same traps and pitfalls that we always do where we end up winning four games, but we left four games on the table that were very winnable up to the last second. We're just not falling into those traps this year so far. And that's why we are where we are. Yeah, and let's be very clear. NC State's still going to make a bowl, even without Devin Leary. You know, they have a bye week here. 
to try to get, you know, just, just to put this out there, they still have games against Virginia Tech, who has looked very rough this season. And they've got Boston College on the 12th. And they've got Louisville. And frankly, I think the way Louisville's been playing, they could win that too. So this is still, you know, this is still a team. We just beat a team that still could have six, seven, eight wins, I think. Um, and, you know, then they get the North Carolina rivalry. And you never know. I mean, those rivalry games, you know, anything can happen in those. So, you know, I, this is a team that's still going to get its wins. So that was another good win, I think, for Syracuse. Let's do stars and demerits for this week. Uh, and Kevin, I don't think you've given a star first, so I'm going to give you the give you the the first one. Um, or a demerit if you feel like giving a demerit, feel free. But. I'm going to give a demerit to the officiating crew. Uh, they were <laughs> trash, and I, if if I'm not mistaken, they must have been the same crew that officiated the UVA game. They were they were one of the worst officiating crews I've seen in a very long time um, on both sides. They, they missed, they missed probably half a dozen calls just in the second half. Um, you know, the, uh, the one, you know, uh, nonsense interference call. And it just seemed like they were not all there. Uh, and I, I think we got away with several, um, but it, what, it, what what reminded me of the uh, the UVA officiating crew was, uh, you know, we, we don't even win the UVA game if it wasn't for the uh, call at the end with the the face mask and all that stuff. Um, but but this time around, there were just several key moments where they kind of stepped in, um, and I, I wasn't really expecting them to. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just giving to give the demerit to them. Go ahead. Yeah, and I would point out they almost called a a penalty on that second touchdown for Syracuse, too. You could see the guy pull the flag out of his pocket and then put it back in his pocket. Um, and I think... Um, they were saying for an illegal motion. A legal motion, yeah. They thought about it. They didn't. You know, it's, just, it's one of those things. It just feels like a lot of times we get these big plays and there's an illegal motion or there's a holding. And sometimes there is, and sometimes I'm struggling finding it. And then there's the, the fact that you know, Sean Tucker gets hit in the head while he's on the ground and nothing happens. I mean, that's not going to get called. I mean, and, and and look, I mean, we could do a whole episode on what is targeting and what is not. And we still wouldn't know because whether you're talking college or the NFL, nobody seems to know what targeting is. But. Well, Matt, the official standpoint of the uh, podcast Twitter handle was that that should have been targeting with an ejection. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it reminded me. It reminded me a little bit of what happened to Eric Dungy. Not quite as egregious, but, you know, yeah, yeah it, was bad. it was bad. Old old Mitch Stanichek. Don't say that name around Kevin. I know. That's kind of why I did. <laughs> I don't I don't know if he heard me, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll get back to yeah, that. I did, I did. Uh, yeah. yeah. F, F that guy. I hate him. By the way, by the way, you yeah, know who, who is it? Cooper Rush, right? He's a Central Cooper Michigan Rush. guy. He was there for that game. He was, oh, he was on that team? He was the quarterback for that team. Yeah, I saw that in the uh, the Eagles game last night. They made reference to Central Michigan, and he was there back in 2016. I think was that that game. Yes, and Cooper Rush was the quarterback for Central Michigan Michigan in that game against Syracuse. <laughs> so, you just do one that more reason to hate Dallas. <laughs> uh, so, uh, 
I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give a start to Aranda Gadsden. Eight receptions for 141 yards. He was averaging 17 yards a reception. Two touchdowns. I mean, he is just, the honestly, other than Schrader, probably the biggest playmaker on Syracuse offense this year. I mean, he just makes things happen, and he's got good speed. He's tall. It's like you said, Joe. He's good at jump balls. He's got that length, good hands. you got to love what he's, what he's bringing every week. Well, I'm just going to keep going with my previous team and give it a star to Sean Tucker. Um, we've been waiting for him to break out again, and you know the counting stats aren't exactly there to call this a breakout game, but he played well. He ran like his old self, and that's kind of the base that we need in this offense to keep things going. You know, the Aranda schrader connection is is what really keeps things moving, but we need that base of Sean Tucker's steady running to, to really yeah. go where we want to go this year. Yeah. One more star to give, and that is to the Syracuse fan base, who showed up and put a sellout crowd in the Dome and made it one of the loudest, literally one of the loudest stadiums in the country and created penalties. Uh, North Carolina State false started several times in that game, and you can credit that to a crowd that was loud and they couldn't hear. A bot snap in a big moment. Mm -hmm. A bot snap, which was immediately followed by another false start. Yeah, exactly. That crowd made a difference, and I really hope the Syracuse fan base enjoyed that. I hope there were recruits there that enjoyed that. That's the kind of game you want some recruits there, and I'm sure they had them there. Uh, but I, I hope the Syracuse fan base had fun because there's two more home games and show up, fill the dome for Notre Dame, fill the dome for Florida state. I can't even imagine. I mean, it's like we've talked about, it doesn't take a lot of people to make the dome loud. 30, 35,000 excited fans is loud there. So to actually fill, I mean, the closest that I've experienced was that, was it, Northwestern or Minnesota that opened the year and really Minnesota, Minnesota. That was like probably 45,000 or so. It was officially, I think 49, I think they were 500 short of a sellout. Mm. So in that, you know, that game came down to it. Was that game go to overtime? Yes, it did. So that was an exciting game. And I remember that being loud, but I'm sure this was, was even more loud than, than that was. And I I can't even imagine what it must've been like. Like I think back the loudest game I've ever heard in the carrier dome or the JMA Dome now, but it was a Carrier Dome then, was the 2018 game against NC State. That's actually the loudest I've ever heard the Dome, period. Basketball, football, anything. For me, it's always basketball. that 45,000 or so were there for that NC State game. 42, 45,000. It was an 8 p.m. or on ESPN. Remember, it was that back and forth, and it was like 52, 42 at the end. It was something crazy. And the loudest I have ever heard the Dome is NC State had the ball late, chance to win the game. They were only down three, and they threw a pick. And I have never heard the Dome explode the way it did for that. And I, I would imagine that that's what it was like a lot on, on Saturday. And I just think it's just fantastic. And I, I'm just so glad to see the Syracuse fan base embracing this. And this is how good things happen, by the way. This is how good things happen. The, the, the crowd makes a difference. The crowd impresses recruits. You get more recruits. You get better. Everything kind of rolls together. Syracuse is building a real opportunity here, and I, I cannot emphasize that enough. There is a real opportunity to roll this into better seasons to come. But, you know, let's just enjoy this one right now. Now, 
Time to look forward. Saturday at noon on ABC, that aforementioned biggest game potentially since the 88 Super Bowl, as the 14th-ranked Orange head on the road to play 5th-ranked Clemson. Clemson is 7-0, 5-0 in conference. So believe it or not, they've already played five conference games. This team is easily the best one Syracuse will play all season. It is a team that opened with a 41-10 win over Georgia Tech in Atlanta, a game that was actually kind of close for a bit at the beginning. Uh, and they've had some close games. They won a double overtime game at Wake Forest, 51-45. They beat NC State 30-20. Um, but then uh, – and they – beat Florida State last week, 34-28. So they're winning games close, and they're giving up points, which is a good sign for this offense. Because it means that while Clemson is a great defense, Syracuse definitely is going to have a chance to get their points. But you're going to be looking at guys, DJ Ugalele, 64.2% pass percentage, completion percentage, 14 touchdowns, only two interceptions. He doesn't make mistakes. <laughs> He's not as good as the previous quarterback, but it's kind of hard to compare anybody to Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you look at Will Shipley, the running back, and I think about how we play against good running backs this year. I think that's my biggest concern, is that Clemson is going to just be able to run down our throats. He has 76 rushes for 446 yards this year, eight touchdowns. And then if he's not enough, you've got Phil Maffa, who has 39 rushes for 162 yards and a touchdown. So, and then you've got one, two, three, four, five, six people who have caught uh, balls for more than 100 yards, uh, including Bo Collins, 290 yards, Antonio Williams, 258 yards, Joseph Nagata, 255 yards. Their tight end has 175. Their other tight end has 156. You're getting a picture here why this, the pressure is going to be on the defense here to really step up. This is a huge game, and this is going to be a very tough opponent. This is a team that, I'm going to be very honest, after the Syracuse game, I mean, if they win the Syracuse game, they very likely run the table into the college football playoff. Clemson is that good. So, I don't know, guys. This is, this is going to be a real tough one. What are you looking for in this one? What's it going to take for Syracuse to pull off the upset? By the way, we're – we're a 13-point underdog right now. I sound like a broken record when I say this, but in, in games like this particularly where we really can't turn the ball over, we really can't have dumb mistakes, we really can't be sloppy, we got to come off strong, uh, we need to start off by running the football, control the clock, uh, make it so that Clemson has limited – opportunities on offense keep them on the sideline and just keep i mean just as, as much as you need to ground and pound with sean tucker i mean as long as you get some level of success there keep at it don't abandon the run because the minute we abandon the run that's when we get into those dreaded syracuse days of old where uh you know we have a a, a 12 second possession punt it right back to him and then, boom, there's Trevor Lawrence sitting on the 50-yard line, uh, which is essentially he can dunk it from there. Um, granted, I, I don't know as much about this new quarterback, and hopefully he's not anywhere near uh, the same level of talent that we had in, in, in Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson and, you know, the previous Clemson, uh, uh, Kelly Bryant, you know, all, all the, the the former Clemson quarterbacks. But uh, I would say we really need to stress – 
uh, running the ball. And whether that's maybe we, we, we introduce some, you know, some read options in there, um, some end arounds, movement, bubble screens. I know you love those, Matt. Um, but keep the clock moving and keep Clemson off the field, their offense off the field. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all good points. I pretty much agree with everything you're saying. Uh, but I think the most important part of our offense building sustained drives isn't necessarily keeping Clemson's offense off the field. For me, it's keeping our own defense off the field and keeping them fresh. Because we're so undermanned at this point, we don't know who's going to be healthy. We've already lost so many contributing bodies to that unit. I'm worried about how many people they have left that are viable contributors against our best opponent of the season. So, yeah, yeah we need, definitely need multiple sustained drives. Really run the ball. Keep things going. Don't stall out right away. And if you do, it has to be few and far between because we need to keep our defense fresh. Because we're going to be leaning on them. We're going to be leaning on them hard. It's going to be up to them to keep us in this game. Yeah. Which I think they will do for for a good portion of the game. I don't I don't know if we're getting the predictions yet, but I don't see this going our way. But I think it will be close. I think it's going to come down to it. But I just think, you know, like Matt alluded to, we're their last bump in the road towards the college football playoff. And they know that. We're kind of their last tests left. And since we knocked them off five years ago, you know, they've had our name marked, like don't slip up again. They, they, they're coming yeah. for us. Be prepared. Now we have a shiny number that is very high in the rankings next to our name. And Clemson <laughs> yeah. wants to build their resume. They want to make sure they get a prime spot in the playoffs. So I, I don't Yellow. think there's any chance they take us lightly. I think they're going to be more talented than us at every position on the field. And it's going to be close because we're going to come out and play well, but I, I think we're going to fall in a good one. Let's be clear. Clemson wants to beat us and then wants us to go win the rest of the games in the season. So they can say, look, we beat an 11 and one team and put us in the playoff. No questions. Right. You know, that's what they want. And, and so, yeah, I, I mean, this, this team, you know, Clemson, like I said, they do give up points and that's a good sign. I think our offense will score. Uh, I, I, think our defense is going to do a good job keeping us in through at least the first three quarters. But I am worried that toward quarter four, we may just have enough drives in the middle where we're not getting enough time on the field that our defense is going to just start to lose momentum a bit and just going to start to get tired. And, and so I think Clemson's going to win this game. I'm going to say 34-20 with kind of a late – touchdown there in the fourth I, I I I'm sorry I I think I think they're gonna have about a touchdown lead and I think they're gonna get another touchdown in the fourth I'm just laughing because the number the score in my head was nearly identical yeah I I so I'm gonna say 34 20 Clemson Turkey's would drop a couple part places in the standings after this but I don't think we'll drop completely out of the top 25 because we're 14 probably drop back to like 17 18 somewhere where we were because you can't really knock a team too much for losing to number five, especially if they play them well. So, uh, and the big thing is going to be if they do lose this game, bouncing back and having a good game against Notre Dame, who looks very beatable. We'll get into what our opponents did, but you know, that, that'll be a really big point. So I'm going to say 34, yeah. 20 Clemson. I'll, I'll jump in quick. Cause I don't really have anything to add. Everything Matt said is where I'm at. 
loss doesn't derail our season, doesn't tank us in the rankings. Uh, 34-24 Clemson. I was going to say, yeah, 31-24. Um, yeah, whatever. I'll just stick with 31-24 uh, Clemson. Um, you know, we keep it close until the end. And then, you know, one too many miscues. And, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'd be shocked if we don't give up a big play or two. Yeah. Um, here and there, especially if Garrett Williams is not playing or not a hundred percent. Um, cause you know, they'll, they'll key in on, on, uh, whoever's not deuce chestnut, whoever the Williams, the, the backup, uh, Isaiah Johnson, Isaiah Johnson. who has played quite well, but he just is less experienced than, and yeah, William. yeah, yeah. He's Isaiah an Ivy Johnson. league transfer. So, you know, yeah, big, he, he big, looked, big he looked nice in the few drives that he was in, uh, but, I think they'll they'll probably key in on him if, if Garrett Williams not. Or in. they'll so attack hopefully... Deuce. They could attack Deuce, who you know tends to be a ball hawk. He'll go for the ball and he'll get blown up now and then because he's trying to go for picks. To yeah. me, the the thing that will make the difference if if Syracuse is to win this game, they need to create turnovers. You yeah. need to get two or three turnovers that you capitalize on. You don't just get them. You got to go get them yourself. You got it right. You you can't commit turnovers, which has been a problem in the last two FBS games. You've got to get turnovers, um, which our defense has been relatively decent at doing. You've got to turn those turnovers into points. And it means taking points every time you get a chance, even if it means you're getting Andre Schmidt out there and getting him field goals. Every little bit's going to count in a game that, that could come down very close. Yes, you're going to need touchdowns, but don't take an arrest. You know, if you're a third and long on like, the 25 don't do something crazy make sure you can still get your three you know so you know it's going to be every point is going to count when you get into a game like this so you know yeah well i I said the thing about Dabo swinney knowing us earlier but i don't think Dabo swinney has coached against this type of syracuse team you know like we keep saying during this as this season goes on this team feels so different than previous years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm thinking that, that that there's a chance that they, you know, see something on game film and they're trying to uh, shut down one thing. And, and I mean, I think Dino's got enough experience against Swinney under his belt that he's, you know, going to go toe to toe. I'm not saying, you know, Dino's a Dabo Swinney caliber yeah. of a coach, but you know, in terms of, of us uh, not getting out coached, I, I don't think that we have to worry about that. I think these guys know each other well enough. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just hoping that that can create an opportunity for like, you know, Damian Alford or, uh, you know, maybe even Courtney Jackson or Trevor Pena. They come out of the woodwork and make a big play. Maybe maybe Trevor Pena and the special teams are able to, you know, get a big return. I know that that happened in the UVA game uh, yeah. a couple of times where, where Pena kind of gave us a little bit of a shot to the arm. So I think those those little things um, are but really. Pena's, but Pena has to be careful because this is this is something we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Is Pena has a tendency to cough up the ball. He has yes, done that he several times in the past. He did it in in a, a almost catastrophic way against Virginia. You cannot do that. You can't make those kinds of mistakes. And the other thing is the Syracuse offense. The false starts have to stop. You cannot be knocking yourself five yards back. You've got to not be getting these holding calls. So, I mean, those are important things to keep in mind. You got to create turnovers if Syracuse is going to have a chance in this game. Now, I will say this: I fully expect I, I I will not be surprised at all if this is the best game Syracuse plays all year. 
because that is because that is what we do, isn't it? We go to Clemson or we play Clemson, and it's the most impressive we look all season. That can happen, and you can still lose by ten too. Exactly, absolutely, you can still lose by ten or fourteen, and still be playing your best game all year because you're playing a team that is just so good in Clemson. So I wouldn't take a loss by fourteen points too badly here. I mean, it's you don't want to lose like that, but you know you're playing against a very, very, very good. Let's take a look at the opponent scores. UConn lost at Ball State, twenty-five, twenty-one. They're three and five. Uh, they still have a couple opportunities to potentially get to five wins, maybe even sneak into six if they can pull an upset. Um, so UConn actually not completely out of you know bowl contention. Purdue a win at Nebra- uh, win against Nebraska, forty-three, thirty-seven. They're five and two and three and one in the Big Ten. Purdue is making themselves a contender in the Big Ten West, where. The favorite right now in the Big Ten West is our old friend Tommy DeVito in Illinois, hey. who made who made themselves bowl eligible this week uh, with a win, and they're now six and one. So uh, I don't think anybody had Illinois as the leader in the Big Ten West, but uh, kind of neat to see. Notre Dame loses at home to Stanford, sixteen fourteen. They drop to three and three. Stanford snapped an eleven game losing streak to FBS opponents. Stanford's only other win this season was against Colgate and they went to South Bend and beat Notre Dame. And Notre uh, Dame. How I, much money know, did they pay Colgate to travel across the country to go lose a game in California? Yeah. Yeah, I know. And, and have to pay for the flight and everything. Um, I mean, for Notre Dame, there, there's a lot of talk about, you know, whether this coach, their new coach, was really ready for this job. There was, I guess, this image of him standing on the sideline at the end with just this shocked look. Like, how, almost a how could we lose to Stanford? And I saw the one college football writer, and this might be too soon to say this, says, you know, he doesn't think Notre Dame is going to be the Brian Kelly Notre Dame for a very, very long time. And that Brian Kelly did something at Notre Dame that nobody else is going to do anytime soon. I don't know about that, but... Notre Dame certainly is off the ball this year. They're trying to figure out what's happening. That is a very, very winnable game in the Dome. Syracuse is going to have to try to, you know, take advantage of that. Uh, Clemson, as I mentioned. I'm hoping that they're more like the Charlie Weiss Notre Dame. (laughs) We all all love and appreciate the uh, time that Charlie Weiss put in at Notre Dame. It was a great era. Greg yeah. Robinson sure appreciated it. Greg Robinson sure did. Best rest best win peace, of Greg. Man. Rest in peace. Best win of Greg Robinson's career. Um, but I will say this: Notre Dame is also highly erratic. They have really good games, like they did against BYU, and then they have these absolute just drop the ball games, like they did against Stanford. Their defense plays pretty well. They don't give up a ton of points, but their offense just is erratic. Um, some days really great, some days not good at all. And I think against a good defense like ours, uh, I got good feelings about that. We'll talk about that next week. Clemson, as I said, they won at Florida State 34-28. Seminoles dropped to 4-3, and 2-3 and three in conference. Clemson, as I mentioned, the only other undefeated team in the ACC. And the only other of our opponents that was in uh, uh, was playing last weekend was Wagner. They lost at Merrimack 54-17 to drop to 0-6. Wagner. Still looking for their first win since 2019. Louisville, Virginia, Pitt, and BC are all on buys this past week. 
Interesting thing about the Syracuse schedule, we have nobody off of a bye, <laughs> which I actually like. Uh, we have we have Clemson on their eighth straight game, and then we – yeah, so we have nobody off of a bye week, which I think is really beneficial. Uh, so just to put uh, that in the context, Louisville's 3-3, three and 1-3 three, and three in conference. Virginia's 2-4, and 0-3 oh in conference. Pitt is 4-2, and 1-1 one and one in conference. And BC is 2-4, and 1-3 and in conference. So – uh, you know, the Syracuse opponents, some are doing better than others, but there's actually some decent ones in there. I mean, I think Purdue is really impressing people in the Big Ten, and uh, that that's a coach who, who's helping to protect his job as well. It is now time for a new segment, Going Bowling. So we're going to take a look at the bowl projections that as they stand, I wanted to do this segment. I was really hoping we were going to be able to do this segment the last like two weeks of the season last year. And uh, obviously it didn't work out, Uh, but (laughs) now we've got six weeks of doing this and we get to talk about where we're projected. Obviously let's put this up front. Bowl projections really don't mean much of anything because I see random stuff all the time and it's nowhere close to what happens, but it's fun. So but it's a nice change of pace from what made Brett mad last week. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's important and, to note. They don't even rate, like there's no tiers to the tie-ins anymore. I mean, you have the tier one games, but of them, it used to be like ACC one should go to this game. ACC two should go to this game. They don't do that anymore. It's if you have a representative in the playoff, then your number two team goes to the Orange Bowl. If Clemson's not in the playoff, then your number one team goes to the Orange Bowl, and then it just goes everything else, and they just right. have a free-for-all trying to get the best matchups they can. And 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 that is an inter- important thing, I think, that Joe – point that Joe makes. There is – I thought there was a little bit of, like, a pecking order of there who used gets to, be. to choose. But, like, it's basically a free-for-all. Even then, they make deals with each other to decide, well, we want this team, we want this team, they travel well, whatever. They're trying to make good matchups that are good for TV, that are going to get fan bases, that are going to sell tickets. It kind of makes it weird. So it's it's really hard to predict this. And as you're about to find out, these are drastically all over the place. Some of them haven't released them yet because it is Monday, but I'll give you these two from last week. Bleacher Report and Sporting News both had us in the pinstripe bowl. One against Wisconsin, once against one against Maryland. That's when we were only five and zero on December 29th. All right, here's the ones that are updated for this week. 247 Sports has us in the Fenway Bowl versus Tulane on December 17th. By the way, you're going to notice a common opponent here. Sports Illustrated has us in the ReliaQuest Bowl, which is formerly known as the Outback Bowl, which was formerly known as the Hall of Fame Bowl which Syracuse won the Hall of Fame Bowl, by the way, against uh, uh, Ohio State back in the early 90s. Uh, they have us playing LSU January 2nd. All right. There, there you go. <laughs> uh, speaking of Brian Kelly. Yeah, speaking of Brian Kelly. Uh, Jerry Palm at CBS has us in the Sun Bowl in El Paso December 30th playing Oregon State. Oregon State's got a, a nice team this year. College Football News has us in the Fenway Bowl versus Tulane again. I told you there'd be somebody's going to keep reappearing. Athlon Sports has us in the Cheez-It Bowl, which used to be the Camping World Bowl. 
against Texas, December 29th. And uh, Pro Football Network has us in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. That's a New Year's Six Bowl versus Tulane <laughs> on January 2nd. Have we so, played in a Cotton Bowl since 1959? No, we have not. <laughs> we have not. It would be our third appearance in the Cotton Bowl. So we we're there in 57 in January 1st of 60, and then it would be this year. It's just it's not. just weird hearing these, like going through all these different options, and the underlying assumption is that Tulane <laughs> is the best Louisiana <laughs> team. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna this play is, Tulane. This yeah. is weird. It's like like ten years ago, five years ago, Tulane was a. I mean, he's, they're one of those teams where you you didn't even know if they were a Power Five or not. You know. You didn't know if they were FBS or not, and uh, you know LSU is just kind of king of of the of the region. But but I, I guess they're having themselves a nice season. So Tulane is already bowl eligible. Tulane is six and one to their credit. And I think if, the you know, University of Louisiana is going to be bowl eligible too. Yeah, Louisiana is having a good year. So Tulane's only loss came to Southern Miss. They are six and one, including a win at Kansas State, which is pretty notable. Kansas State's uh, turned around and beat Oklahoma. On the road, of course. So, uh, yeah, Tulane is six and one. Now they've got Memphis this weekend. That'll say a lot about them. But yeah, there's some talk that they might be the best team in the group of five, which means that they would get a bid into the New Year Six, and uh, that one scenario would have them in a New Year Six bowl play, playing us, which would, is to suggest likely that they would see three. I would assume, based on that, that Pro Football Network is thinking of three ACC teams. In the New Year Six, you'd have Clemson in the playoff. Wake in the Orange Bowl. Wake in the Orange, and then us in the Cotton, um, which is saying that maybe they're thinking of us as like 10-2 and with our only two losses being to those two, uh, which I would love. Uh, But it is interesting. It's interesting to see how how widely different these are. Because let's be honest, Fenway Bowl is we're 7-5, and maybe 8-4. Same thing with the pinstripe. Uh, Sun Bowl and ReliaQuest, I'm thinking, is more like we've got nine, eight or nine. And Cheez-It is definitely, we're sitting on eight or nine, I think. Um, it, it, it's fascinating to see how this is going to change over the next several weeks. Yeah, well, just like uh, during the 2018 Bowl, uh, Colin's slogan was, I like camping and I like worlds. Well, I like <laughs> it's gonna be. I like cotton and I like bowls. I don't know. <laughs> that sounds pretty good to me. I like cotton, sun, and Cheez-Its. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, it's fun to do that. We'll do that every week. We'll update and tell you where everybody's got us. It's going to probably shift wildly. While certain ones, even before we hit six wins, I was keeping an eye on it. Fenway keeps coming up a lot. Keep in mind, this will be the inaugural Fenway Bowl because the first two got canceled. Because of the pandemic and in 2021, they, they couldn't put it together. So Syracuse obviously inaugurated another bowl, the pinstripe. And uh, a Northeast Bowl like that would love to have a Northeast team that's going to bring a lot of fans to try to start the bowl with a decent crowd. They keep doing bowl games in baseball stadiums. We'll keep coming. Right. Unless we get invited to the Cotton Bowl uh, <laughs> or the Orange Bowl or a that I really would like to be in. By the way, I actually got to go see the Rose Bowl last week. 
I was in California and I oh, took okay. a run. I took a morning run and I was in Pasadena and I ran to the Rose Bowl and it's pretty awesome. Uh, unfortunately, that's a Big Ten and uh, <laughs> Pac-12 tie, so that's not going to happen, but uh, it's nice. to <laughs> Well, anyway, that is all we have for Three Idiots and a Lawyer this week. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at 3ILPod. Like us on Facebook, Three Idiots and a Lawyer. Tell your friends about us. Give us stars. We have fun things to talk about. For the last two years, we've had really nothing good to talk about, about Syracuse sports. Because we started a uh, Syracuse sports podcast at the worst time you could start a Syracuse sports podcast. For a while, we didn't even have sports to talk about at all. And uh, but finally, we've got something happy to talk about, and I'm happy about it, and Joe's happy about it, and Kevin's happy about it, and Brett wouldn't tell you, but somewhere he's happy. About it. <laughs> he's happy about it too. I know he well, is. It's like everything came full circle because our first episode was the McNabb and McPherson conversation, and now we're to a point where you know we're replicating some of the record successes anyway from. The, the late 80s uh, set by McPherson. So, um, I mean, it's it, it, certainly the most ex- exciting time that we've had as a program since, you know, uh, probably the, the early 2000s, uh, ab- late 90s, 2000s. Absolutely. And, and we're going to have to do another episode about the best quarterback in Syracuse history because now we got a new contender. <laughs> let's, let's wait and see. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll see. I, He's got another I, year of eligibility, right? He could break uh, the completion percentage record that's currently. Greg up Paulus? Greg Paulus. Yeah, it could go down. Paulus could fall. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm Paulus okay with that. I, I, I'm okay with that. Uh, I, I was making this, uh, this observation during the game on Saturday, but uh, Schrader to me is now kind of looking like. Eric Dungy with more weapons and yes. more ball security and yes. awareness in space. And he's willing to slide. And he's willing to slide. <laughs> and he learned how to slide. And he, he, just, he takes a hit a little better. Schrader knows how to take a hit a little better than Dungy did. He, he also just has the ability. He's just like, yeah – you're not hitting me. I'm hitting you. And just yeah. bowls people over. You have over. to be a larger linebacker to bring him down easily. Yeah. And that's a fun thing about him. I like that part about him. By the way, Sean Tucker, congratulations on being now the sixth leading rusher in Syracuse football history. He reached that uh, past two more people over the weekend. And so, uh, yeah, he's going to just keep hopefully climbing. It's going to get a little hard to get to number one. If this is his last season. Uh, it's going to be a little hard to get to number one. But if he does come back next year, he could definitely be in tension. I think it's James Mungrow at the first place. Sounds Who's right. That? James Mungrow, I think, sits at first place on the all-time Syracuse rushing list. We'll get that. We'll check that for next week. Yeah, um, and we'll, we'll let you know. You know what? Follow us on Twitter, and we'll tell you. Uh, we'll, we'll give you the updated list. <laughs> So, yeah, follow us on Twitter at 3ILPod, like us on Facebook, give us the stars, tell your friends about us, all those wonderful things. And if you've got the 1990 NCAA lacrosse trophy, please tell us. We just want to know that it is safe. We don't know when we're going to win another lacrosse trophy because who knows what's going to happen uh, with lacrosse season. We thought it was going to be great last year, and then it was kind of disappointing. Uh, but but maybe this year will be good. It was a good recruiting class. I know Joe's excited for that. Yeah, yep. so we'll see. Just Just tell us. Just tell us. Anyway, until next time, for Kevin O'Keefe and Joe Shell and Brett Fortnum, wherever he is, and Matt Pfeiffer, we'll see you next time. 
Thank you.